the Lord will speak to us today from uh, from His book, in particularly from Ephesians chapter six, verse twelve. If you please turn the Bibles to Ephesians chapter six, verse twelve, um, and the word of God written in Ephesians six twelve, it says, "For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers." against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual oaths of wickedness in the heavenly places that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And the theme of this, of this message is life is war. And one thing I get to just say is that life is war. From the moment a child is conceived, you know, when you give birth, the child comes out somehow there's a bit of blood that the, 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 the child is covered in the blood to come, out, to come out as well. So life is war. Even from the day we were born, even to the day that God calls us home, it's all about battles. If Jesus, who is God on earth, went through various battles himself, how much we, his children, much more so, would we? So life is war. That's why I look at in Exodus chapter 15, verse 3. In Exodus 15, 3, the word of God says that God is the man of war and the Lord is his name. That we have a father who calls himself, what? The man of war. If our father is the man of war, we ourselves as children, we are children of the man of war. So we too are in his own image, in his own likeness. Therefore, we too are men of war. War. And if you look at the scripture very well in, Ex- in, Ephes- in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That everything that we see, it looks as if they are flesh. But it says that that is not what we are wrestling with. That yes, we can see the challenges, we can see the daily battle physically, but these battles, these things that we see, they are not just mere physical. But they are spiritual things. That's why he says that. But against, we wrestle against principalities and power. He says against the rulers of what? Of darkness of this age. That is what we are warring against. So we're not worried with the common man that we see. But we're worrying against these things that tends to control what? The, not the, the, the physical man that we see. That is what we are wrestling against. Amen. So that means that the battle is in the realm of the spirit. That is what it simply says. And if the battle is won in the realm of the spirit, then we see the victory in the physical realm. That's why the word of God says that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. That we are in this world, but we are not of this world. If we understand that, perhaps it will change our mentality, to change our thinking, to change our attitude on how we address things in life, on how we, we go on on our daily activities. That is the truth. It will change things because life is war. I know that nobody likes the word war. That is the truth. If you look at it from Genesis, before even the time the Bible was written, men always go to war. <laughs> it was all about war. Even in this time of peace, 
<laughs> Somehow, there are, there are different kind of worlds that people don't understand that is going on. But uh, people can talk about what is happening in Korea and all that. Yeah, those are the, the vivid things that you are seeing. But there are a lot of things going on behind the scene. Ireland is, uh, is war. All the enemy that wants, war, all that the devil wants is what? Ireland, who was a leading nation in terms of Christianity, to be one at the back foot. You know, it is all about war. We are in a spiritual warfare where the enemy wants to take over and conquer, wants darkness to, to cover light. But that won't happen in the name of Jesus. We can't just be hoping that God will do it. But God, we expect us Lord, to engage in this warfare. How do we engage in this warfare? In the place of prayer. In the place of seeking the face of God. That is how we, get, we, 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 we gain victory in this war. Because life is war. As long as we are alive, this battle will carry on. Even when we go home, this battle will carry on until what Christ Jesus comes again. That's the truth. And that's the reality. It's a wake-up call that life is war. In verse 14 of the same Ephesians chapter 6, you know, when God says that, in verse 13, he says that we should therefore put on the whole armor. Verse 13, we should put on the whole armor of God and to stand. Now, the question we should ask, what is the armor of God? What is God talking about? That Okay, life is war. We are engaged in a spiritual warfare, yet... The scripture says, put on the old armor of God. And if you read from verse 14, I'm reading from the New Living Translation now. If you read from verse 14, it says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the armor of God's righteousness. That one of the armor we can put is that we should be truthful at all times. The belt of truth. I always tell people that many a time, I mean, I, I, I speak to myself that when I found myself telling tales or, or something happens, especially in the past, and initially I have said the wrong thing. You know, did you do that? No. That's the first instinct. No. And I've done it. And I say, oh, but I did it. But sometimes I go back and rectify it. But the question I ask myself, why did I say, why, why was it, why the first instinct, why did I say no at first? Then I have to restitute and rectify what I have said. Why? Perhaps for me, it's the fear of what? The judgment. The fear of the punishment. The fear of what could be. I shouldn't have. No. You know, that's the first instinct because of fear. And God's saying that you should fear no man. Don't even fear the devil. When I read the scripture, sometimes the word of God says that he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of the sign mind. We should fear no one. That's how the scripture says, God Jesus said that, you know, no, you should fear no man. Rather, if you think you are scared of the devil, don't fear, don't be scared of anybody. The only person you should fear is God who has the power to kill and to cast into hell. The devil cannot cast you into hell. The devil can try to torment, but he doesn't have the power. To cast into hell. Nobody has the power to. Only God has the power. And when I reflect on fear, I, I just normally think, okay, why is man scared? Why? Who created the world? God. Who created light and darkness? God. Who created the devil? God. Who is in charge? God. So why should I be scared of the next person? Who created you and I? God. So why should I be scared of you? No. The only person I should be scared of because I really don't know everything about him is God. And when I think of that, somehow 
I get energized in my faith. It eliminates fear. Because fear has a way of coming, and if you keep trying, it never stops. It keeps coming. Today you conquer fear. Tomorrow it comes in another dimension. You could come in a dimension of you've tried something and it might have failed, and the fear is like, am I going to try it again? What if it fails? So therefore, I just hold back and don't try it again. Let me stay in the comfort zone, in the safe zone. So fear has crippled, has come in again. So it's a daily battle. That is the truth. That's why I use the word that life is war. The Bible says the enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That he roams seeking. He never stops. So he might have failed here. He's going to try a different angle. And that is how war is generally. You know, think of, think of businesses, people that go into businesses. How many times have they tried? The man that created the first light bulb. How many times did he fail before he finally got the right light bulb? The man that went into business, how many times has he tried before he finally got the business right? So, it's war. He never stops. So it's the same thing. Life is war. The devil never stops. The battle never stops. It stops for the man that God has called home. But for the rest who are still living, it is warfare. So the word of God, reading on verse 15, says... Put on, you know, he uh, says, put on the shoes. So it's for shoes. So put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. That daily we must be fully prepared because you don't know who you're going to minister to. You don't know who you're going to preach to. He says, put it on. In addition to all these things, he said, hold on the shield of faith to stop the fiery dart. That's why the word of God says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our currency, heaven currency, is faith. And that is how we look. And sometimes I look at the scripture that many a times people will talk about Thomas. That is Thomas, um, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, that he doubted Christ. When Christ died, he rose again. And other people said they've seen Jesus. And Thomas said, no, I'm not going to believe what you said. But until I see Jesus, not, I'm, not, I'm not just going to see Jesus. But I must trust my hand in the side where I know that he was pierced. Feel the flesh. Then I know that this is Jesus. So because Jesus will appear in the hologram, you know, in today's words, to be a spirit. But no, 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 no. To know that this is Jesus, I must physically feel the skin and that. And that is where a lot of Christians fall into. Because I always look at life that God might not, or Jesus will not Physically reveal himself physically to everybody. But you also have to take it by faith. That's why the Bible says more blessed are the ones that haven't seen and yet believe. As opposed to you having to see the physical evidence. Not everybody will get to see that physical evidence. But you just take it in faith. Take it. So the Bible says... Put on your salvation, our salvation as your helmets. That is that by grace we are saved. And the stick the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which we talked about earlier today. That, and that is where the, 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 the body of Christ is lacking. The word of God. And you don't take time to know this word. You don't take time to meditate. You don't take time to study this word. Because in this word, that is where you get the truth. In this world, that is how you, you, you won't be deceived. But if you don't take time to invest, then 
you are fighting from a losing point. You are fighting. You see, if I, I investing in it is I'm only doing myself good. And that's the truth. So that I can stand. Because the battles will come. We need to remain standing. That's the truth. If we don't invest the time in the world, then uh, when sometimes I look at life, you know, um, there's, a, there's a story of a man that, and the story of a man that whenever of, it happens to the general of a cell, this mission, that whenever he traveled, he remembers that sometimes things don't really go well at his home. Why? He remains the, the man that prays. He remains the man that stands in the gap for his home. But when he goes abroad, things, you know, bad things easily could happen back at home. But one thing is that why is it that when he's absent, because as I see the man standing in the, in the gap is as traveled, perhaps the spouse is not standing. So the spouse cannot hold forth. So it's like this thing will not happen, not at my watch. So, because the, the lady, let me, let me just make one word, the spouse has not been invested to be grounded, to be able to have a covering over the, the, the children, over the family. So that, therefore, everybody needs to stand. Just imagine that everybody's standing right. The Bible says that, look, in the nutshell, how does the, how does, um, the people say it in the world? They say, well, uh, it's, you're, it's, you're only as strong as the weakest link. So if you're the weakest link, the enemy always coming through the weakest link. And his own job is to divide and rule. The enemy, all the devil wants is, let me bring this court amongst the brethren. Let me bring it, let me bring it, let me bring something that will discourage somebody. Let me bring something that will bring the be a disagreement somehow, but it always comes through the weakest link. It never comes through the strongest link. So if everybody is standing strong, then the enemy cannot come in. That's why the word of God says, a man's enemy is those of his household. Because in your household, your guards are down. You trust your spouse. You trust your children. You trust your parents. You trust so your guards are not watchful. Your guards are not up. So that's how the enemy can simply slide in through the weakest thing. Because at that point, he knows you're very vulnerable. So life is war. And that is how we look at the spiritual realm. And when I mean life is war, I mean last week I had woke up and had a I had a dream. And in the dream, and I don't take my dream lightly, because I know that in the dream God speaks. That's why as a church, as a people, we take it, we don't take dreams lightly. We document it. I document my dreams. I, I do a journal. You know, somehow God can remind me of something. I can refer back to it and come back to it because God speaks to us in different ways. And in the dream, I just noticed that I, I, I traveled abroad. On my way, I noticed that there were some issues. Uh, there was an issue, and we on the bus. I, you know, as a passenger, and the next thing I saw myself as the one being the lead person in the bus, and they said we had to be immunized. So I went to take my inoculation, so I got off on the bus to get my own immunization, and I saw myself being injected right between my tongue. And I noticed my son, Tejuri, was the next person behind me. But I received my injection, and my son, who is the next behind me, I didn't see him receive, however, I know he was next in line. 
and I carried on. And I woke up in the morning and I said, what does this mean? And the Holy Spirit said, well, like a sickness is coming and you've been immunized. Whatever is going to come, you've been, you know, I've taken care of it. But what of my son? But I didn't see. I cut a long story short. By the following morning, the guy felt sick. He said he, was, he wasn't feeling well. I couldn't understand why he wasn't feeling well. But when I go back and I remind myself, look, God, this is what you're saying. I should have taken precaution and truly prayed concerning him because the warning had come. All I had to do was to stand for him. Are you following what I'm saying? So, that is what I mean that the spiritual controls the physical. That we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So, God knows that this was going to happen. And God has given me the information. So, what am I going to do with the information? It was going to a place of prayer and apply. Yes, I have the victory. I shouldn't really pray for myself. But pray for the one that hasn't seen that has received the victory. That is why God reveals things to us to do something about it. And when we do something about it, we change the atmosphere of the spiritual realm, which affects the physical. So everything that we see physically has taken place already in the spiritual realm. So that's why I said that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Why is that sometimes people find themselves doing the wrong thing they shouldn't be doing? Not that the desire to do the evil that they do. But somehow, there is a force that is just moving them. They just find themselves doing all sorts of things that they shouldn't. Why? There is a force. There is an evil that is pushing them. There is a force that they don't understand. But the only way that they can defeat that force is through Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. The one that has come to give us life and abundance of life. Through accepting him and through a, uh, a relationship with him. That he can weave. He can help you. Because... God knows it all. We don't. That's why the word of God in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says in, in the New Living Translation, it says, Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. It says, For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. That's what they're saying, that we are soldiers. In, new, in, in the New King James, it talks, it talks about no man that was entangles himself in the affairs of this world. Second Timothy 2.4 Because most of the times we, we are in a warfare, but somehow, without realizing, we've entangled ourselves with the affairs of this world, forgetting that there's a spiritual battle going on. There's a warfare in the realm of the spirit going on. So we look at things and address things in the physical. And as long as we carry on doing so, life becomes even harder. Things doesn't make sense. You know, sometimes I've met people in the world, they say, well, I I don't believe in God. Uh, God created this mess. That's what people say. Uh, why has this happened? Why has God allowed this to happen? Why has God allowed that to happen? I hear that, I look at it, why has God, why has God, why has God allowed it? No, it wasn't God. You refuse to take your position in the realm of the Spirit. That is why all these things have happened. It is our responsibility. What? It is who? You and I responsibility. That is why in Matthew 6.33, Matthew 6, 33. It says, seek ye, it says, seek the kingdom of God first. And all these things, all these things that we so desire will be what added to us. And that's what the scripture says. As we seek his kingdom, when I mean seek the kingdom, I look at it as anything that we do, the kingdom of God must be the first, must be in the forefront. 
So if there's a job you are looking for, the kingdom of God must be in the forefront. Why are you looking for the job? It must be God's opportunity. If you are starting your business, it must be kingdom first. You are going out today, it must be kingdom first. What is God's kingdom? He says it's not willing for any man to perish, but everybody to come to what repentance. What was, the, what was the instruction that Jesus Christ gave us? He said, go into the world, what? And make disciples of men. They will have believed in me. That's what, that's what Jesus Christ came to do. In John chapter 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that we will have believed. That is the man to that is what the forefront. So everything we do, I wake up this morning, God, how can I be what? Or how can I be of, 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 of value to you, to your kingdom today? That should be my driving force as I'm going to work, as whatever thing I'm engaging. How can your kingdom come into this thing? How can this be a beauty? How can this help to build your kingdom here on earth? That should be our driving force. Seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and all these things maybe will be added to you. Not maybe, but will be added to you. That's why we should unentangle ourselves from the affairs of this world. It is vitally important that easily, it's easy to be entangled through friends, through desire, through challenges. But that is how it is. It starts a little. But we need to be mindful. That's why we need to be vigilant. That is what I would say. Because the devil is a lion. Seeking who he may devour. We need to be extremely vigilant. That is why we ourselves must do a daily, how would I call it, uh, a daily self-evaluation at the end of the day. You finish the day. How well have I done today? Where did I fail? Well, have I succeeded? How can I strengthen myself tomorrow? I can't just come, finish the day, just go to bed and just wake up. It's going to be the same cycle tomorrow. But when we take account of the day on how we spent our day judiciously, the honest truth is that by tomorrow, we will want to take an account. Like, I was trying to, I mean, I really don't need to lose it, but my wife wants me to have, um, she showed me some pictures. She said, you know, she was talking about six-pack and all that. I said, really? Okay, if I walk on this, you walk on yours. So, yeah, I'm like, okay, no problem. So, what do I need to do? I need to physically what, get fit. So, she used to tell me that you want to get fit, the food you take, the calories you take, they all matters a lot. So, I'll say, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know. Then I'll say, okay, I'm just going to eat this a little quantity of a workout. I eat a little quantity of a workout. She said that doesn't really work. What do you think? She now explained a few things to me. But one thing I realized is that when I took stock, I saw the difference. So I said, okay, you weigh the food you want to eat, I weigh this a bit. Okay, I check, at the end of the day, I weigh myself, at the, in, the, in, the, in the start of a new day, I go on the scale, I weigh myself, I say, oh, I weigh, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, the next day, I, I mean, I eat the, at, at the end of the day, the next day I weigh myself, oh, I'm point two heavier. What, what happened? What did I eat? What happened? Another day I weigh myself, oh, I'm lighter now, okay. Then you can ask that measure and you say, oh, why? Because I was taking account. I'm not giving you a physical example. Taking stock of what I'm trying to achieve. So imagine applying that at the end of the day concerning your daily activities. Tell me whether you want to be a better person at the end of the day in terms of the things of the kingdom of God. So it's just an analogy. 
that I'm just trying to tell you, practical example, because life is war. We need to take life seriously. And as a roundup, it brings me to my favorite Bible passage for now, for this season, this year, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Um, just quickly turn there. And the word of God reads in Romans 8, verse 14. It says, for as many that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Romans 8, 14. That as many that are led by the Spirit of God, it says that these people are the sons of God. So it simply means that if I'm not led, everything that I'm doing is of my own thinking, my own ideology, my own self-belief, but not what God is saying. It says that, well, I'm not really the son of God. I can prophesy to be a child of God. But the truth is that God doesn't see me as a child. That's why in John chapter, 11, John chapter 11, I think around verse 41 or thereabout, it says, uh, My sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and they follow me. John chapter 10 or 11. It says, My sheep, they hear my voice, they know me, what? And they follow me. So, if you're not hearing the voice, uh, you're not following Christ, then the flip side of the coin is that you are not his sheep. You can say you are a sheep. I can tell you, I can say, well, I'm the son of the queen. I can say that, but it doesn't mean I'm the son of the queen. doesn't matter what I say. The queen knows who are his children because at the end of the day, she knows who comes with that. You can say I'm your father, but I know who I am. I know whose father I am. You know, whose children belongs to me. But everybody, that's why the word of God says that, Jesus said that they prophesy to know me, they profess to know me, but in works they deny me. That people say, I know Christ, but their works actually, their works does not testify concerning me. Are you following? That is what God is saying. So we need to take account ourselves. That's why in James chapter 4, verse 8, James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near you. God wants the invitation. God does not want to self or superimpose himself because since we appreciate that life is war, then we need to get into an intimate relationship with God because through that intimate relationship with God, God can begin to give us a strategy on how to go on a daily basis. That is how we can always be what? Live a life from the position of advantage because we are his children. Therefore, we live from a position, we lead from a position of advantage. We are in we are an advantage position. Yet, the word of God says in Romans 8.37, it says, yet in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. Romans 8.37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Then in John chapter 16, verse 33, John 16, 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good share. I have overcome the world. This is Jesus speaking, John 16, 33, that all these things I have said to you, he has said all these things to us that we may have peace, to appreciate that we know what is to come. Amen? So that we are not, um, how will I put it, 
We are not faced by what comes our way. That we may have peace in him. He says, yes, that yes, in this world, there will be tribulation. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say it to just be all <laughs> smooth sailing. That there will be turbulences. That's what he's saying. And this is Jesus himself speaking. But he said that be of good cheer. Relax. I have overcome. Now the battle has been won already. Even though there is turbulence, know that the end result will be the winning side for you. It's going to be a winning result for you. It doesn't matter what comes your way. Just believe that at the end of the day, it is well. That's what Jesus is saying. At the end of the day, you are more than conquerors. At the end of the day, you'll be on the winning side. Even though you can feel the turbulences. As you fly in the air, sometimes, yeah, you know, things happen. That's what Jesus is saying. But because he has said, be of good share. He said, be of good share. How can you be of good share? The Bible, the word of God says, you know, come to me, all those who are heaven laden. You know, I'll give you rest. So be of good share. I'm coming to Christ to receive strength, to draw strength, to draw comfort from the Holy Spirit through him. It comes through what? An intimate relationship with him that we must pay the price to do. I was listening to, uh, last week Friday, to one of the messages from the General Bosia, and he said something. He said that God said you will never fail an exam for students. He said that you will never fail an exam again, you know. So people will say, I didn't say amen when he said that. God said you will never fail an exam. You know, it's a good, it's a good prophecy that you will never fail any exam that you take as a student. You know, you say amen. But I didn't say amen because I wanted what do you mean? You never fail the exam. Oh, the person doesn't read. Oh, the person doesn't read. Of course, you're going to fail. God said you never fail. Then he now went on to explain and answer. When God says you never fail the exam again, it means that God simply is saying that he's going to give you the grace and ability to be able to study hard. And the Holy Spirit will remind you what to read. So you're going to put in the word. So God has spoken. That means grace comes for you to put in the ability to do what it takes never to fail. You get the listen. So it's not just thinking. That's why we use the word. You know, we're talking about manipulation where you manipulate the word of God. Uh, God has said, but is it? But it's possible, you know. And General Bosia was now saying that a student, somebody now asked him that. But look, you said God. But God, I, I don't have. I, God can do it. That I don't have to read and pass. He said yes. That God, but God is not saying that that. But God is saying that you have to put in the hard work. That if you don't work, then you cannot eat. Then again, gentleman asked the man, okay, if you don't know what God can do, God can do it. Not say, but if you fail, yes, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. So don't worry if you fail. The Holy Spirit will comfort you as you cry. <laughs> because what is the word of God is a comforter, isn't it? So the bottom line is we do the work. So in our work with God, we too need to pay the price. We need to bear sometime probably burn the midnight oil where we need to seek his face, go on our knees, where we need to pray. Because we come from a position advantage. And I tell people, and I keep saying this thing over and over, when I look at the scripture, for example, I look at the like of Joshua in, in, the, in the scripture. Joshua chapter 10, chapter 9, they, they conquered Jericho. They didn't seek the Lord's face. They sought the Lord's face and the Lord gave them. That's why I use the word that in Romans 8.14 that we, we, uh, that uh, as many as led by, the, by, by God, they are the sons of God. They, they sought the Lord's face and God gave them the, the battle plan. Just walk around Jericho every day and just, just sing, no one, just carry the horn, walk, 
walk around the road, and the last on the seventh day, walk around the wall seven times and let the priest blow the trumpet, and the wall came down. That was strategy one. He sought the Lord's face. The Lord gave him the, the gave him the, the, the battle plan. The next time they were going to conquer air, he didn't seek the Lord's face, and they were defeated. But thank God that when he went back to God, God told them the error of the ways, and they were able to amend, put an amendment, amend it. So that was how we seek God's face daily to give us the battle plan, to give us the strategy on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Without that, life would be difficult. Life would be frustrating. And as I read on in the book of Joshua, as I kept on reading, I lo- and I noticed that in, the next, in, in, in chapter 10 of, of, jo- of Joshua, you know, after he, he didn't, re- he, he didn't, just read the account, chapter 10 and 11, he didn't learn from his error that after what happened in Ai, when they were defeated and he sought God's faith and God told him there was sin in the camp and they got rid of the sin and they were able to take Ai. Shortly after, some guys from Gibeon, the Gibeonites, if you know the scripture very well, they came to the, 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 the land that God wanted to give the children of Israel. Some people pretended as if they've come from a far place. That, oh, Joshua, we've heard of your God. We know your God is the God of God. We know everything about your God. Therefore, we've come. Come and sign a treaty with us. Let's make peace and allegiance and we'll be with you. And Joshua still didn't see God's face. This is the land that God wants to give the children of Israel. And they signed an allegiance of peace. Then shortly after, as they were going to survey the land, they realized that, wait a minute, you didn't come 10 hours away. You guys are just 30 minutes away. You lied to us. And the people mourned. And they said, there's nothing we can do. We've agreed. We've come into an agreement. So, we can't take the land. Because Joshua did not seek God's face. There was no intimate relationship. He took matters into his hand. And many times, even I myself, many times I'm taking matters into my own hand. And I'm praying God, daily help me to truly seek your faith. It doesn't mean because I have the it doesn't mean because I have the resources to travel. It doesn't mean I have the resources and the power to do anything I want to do. Therefore, I do. No. I still need to go back to God and ask Him. Because He is the one that has blessed me with all this thing. The blessing comes from Him. God, how do I spend this? God, how do I do this? I love to do this, but is it your will, God, or not? Even though I have the resources to do it. But Joshua had the manpower. That's why he just decided to just take matters into his hand. And this Bible that we read, it must become life to us. We read that the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. So when we read this, these things are there to tell us, to show us the mistakes that some people have made so that we ourselves don't fall into those traps. And where they've made good judgment, we can learn as well from it. Are, you, are we following so that's what happened to Joshua. And you can just read on and on. And one of the battles, Joshua in, Je- in China chapter 11, when the people came, congregated against Israel, all God just said, go to the war. And I did God decided to use hailstone to kill rain hailstone. And the Bible says that the, 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 the people that died through that battle, there were more, more people died through the hailstone than what the children of Israel killed. And that is the God that we serve. All we need to do is get into, we need to be intimate with him. Hear what the plan is 
on a daily basis. Draw near to him. The different strategies. One of the strategies, when I look at the Bible, I'm just so amazed that imagine in, in one night in the book of in, in, in one night in the book of Second Kings chapter 19. Second Kings chapter 19 and verse 35. The Bible says that the children of Israel were troubled. And in one night, one angel came and killed, an angel came and killed 185,000 soldiers. One angel killed 185,000, 185, one angel. Second Kings chapter 19, verse 35, killed. That was the battle plan for God, for the children of Israel. You go to Second Chronicles, you know, and the children were troubled. And all they had to do in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21 to 26, the battle plan was just praise God. And God just somehow caused confusion in the camp of the enemy. And they helped to kill one another. Because he has said, be of good comfort, I have overcome. Ask is just to be. Put our ears on the master's chest and hear what he's telling us. And we'll be at peace. When I pray, the honest truth is, you pray by the grace of God. You hear comfort and peace come when God has spoken and you are reassured. Hence, you don't fret. But when you don't know what is about to happen, it's easy to fret because you don't know anything can happen. But comfort and peace are Jesus Christ saying that be of good cheer. When you are hearing Him in connection, then that comfort, when He has spoken, then there's comfort. You know that He has spoken, it is done, nothing else can happen. That is it. And that is the secret to our peace. That is the secret to all being victorious all the time. Uh, there's, I mean, there's so many accounts. When the, when the, the king of Syria Assyria wanted to conquer Israel, I mean, God told Elisha the, the battle plan. And Elisha revealed it to the, the king of Israel. And at one point, the king of Assyria said, who is, who is against me? Who is revealing the secrets? To my enemy. And one man one soldier came and said, You know what? It is not us, but it is Elisha. God tells him anything, everything you discuss in your bedroom. Is that not wonderful to be in position to hear God speak? But it comes at the price that we ourselves need to get intimate with him, to know him, to hear his voice. And I just encourage us. And we hear his voice from the place. There's so many things I want to say. We hear his voice from a place of quietness. I mean, in in First in, in, in Kings chapter 19, when God told Elijah, Elijah was so distressed. Elijah ran to the mountain. God said, okay, come before me. And when God spoke, uh, you know, the Bible says in, in, in First Kings chapter 19, if you read the account from verse 9 to 15 on your own time, First Kings 19 from 9 to 15, uh, you know, the Bible said there was an earthquake, but the voice of God, God was not in the earthquake. There was a wind, the voice of God was not in the wind. They suddenly, but the guy understood, but there was a still small voice. And in that still small voice, God was there, and he heard God. We need to put ourselves, what I'm trying to say is that we need to put, take ourselves out from the noise of the society. Elijah was praying. He put his and I asked myself the question: Why did he put his head between his knees? Because he was trying to cut out the noise outside. Why did Jesus Christ have to go to the wilderness uh, to pray all night? Uh, you know, if Jesus Christ were to do the same thing, he is God. He knows what is about to happen. But he, in the human flesh, had to do that to show us that he he was doing it. We too ought to do it. 
<laughs> but everybody just wants, uh, like, just want the easy way. But the Bible we read earlier today, narrow is what? Strive to enter towards the narrow path. So it means it's not easy, but God made it easy for us as long as we depend on Him. There's so much I want to say, but because of time, I would just encourage us to just bow our heads and take ourselves and ask God to give us the grace to become intimate with Him in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh,